And so they really began to debate this as to the identity of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at that. He was first introduced in the Old Testament. And one of those places where he was spoken of was in the book of Daniel, in chapter 7. So let's take a look at this, and I will let you know. If somebody could shut those, that outside door, that'd be great. Um, otherwise, I'm putting on sunglasses up here, I think. Thank you, Eric. All right, let's bring up this Daniel passage, uh, Daniel seven thirteen and 14, and uh, we'll look at that together. Oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. Um, anyway, there were these prophecies about Jesus, him coming. Isaiah spoke about it. Daniel spoke about him. So this goes way back. So if anybody says that, that Jesus just kind of appeared on the scene as some random action and he was just some guy that walked the face of the earth, Really, Jesus was prophesied long before he actually came on the face of the earth. He really was. So this, to me, is, is the beginning of thinking about Jesus as the Son of God. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, have a responsibility to give witness or testimony to who Jesus is uh, beyond just some simple phrases. There's, it goes deeper than that. So here we go. Here's Daniel speaking. In my vision... At night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the Son of Man. This is Jesus, who he was talking about. When he came on the earth, who were the people that were drawn to Jesus, and um, why? So who, who came to see Jesus? What kinds of people came to see him? The, the sinners, the outcasts. The, the poor, they, they were drawn to him uh, because of the way they felt about him and what they felt like he could offer them, which was hope and a healing and an answer and a solution for their, for their lives. Others were drawn to him too. Those who opposed him were drawn, and they came along as well. So they had all these people. And Jesus made eight statements in the Gospel of John, about himself, being himself God. They are called the I Am Statements of Jesus. Now, a little test for all of us, if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing in this little exercise. Who can give me one I Am Statement of Jesus? I am the bread of life. All right, that's one. What else? Uh, that is not one of the things that he said in the Gospel uh, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That, that is not there. I'm sorry. I am the vine. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the light of the world. 
All right, let's bring them up. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. You guys did good. But these aren't just phrases that sound good. These identify Jesus in all of the capacity of who he was and who he is for us. And that means basically that every need, the answer for every question, every aspect of our lives, Jesus is the I am for every one of us. I mentioned in my prayer that every week we have people in our community and in our congregation who go through various trials and various kinds of rejoicing moments. Some are finding themselves in a position to offer comfort that has suffered loss, but I find that those who are comfort givers in the exercise of giving comfort need comfort themselves from others. Some are really happy and, 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 and we don't want to throw water on your rejoicing and your great life that you have, but any of us who have lived any length of time know that there will be great moments in life that we are celebrating, but there will also be some moments in our lives that are very tragic and that we really struggle with in knowing how to cope with those things. And so on any given Sunday, you are sitting next to someone who is going through something. And I think awareness of that is very important for us to reach out to one another in that way. I don't know exactly the best way for you to do that, but I can say that all of us can gather here to go to Jesus but we also can gather here to draw comfort and strength from each other. Guidance, understanding, prayer support, help, and assistance. Answers that he wants to bring to us. Because life is difficult. It is filled with both triumphs and tragedies, as I said. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says that we are all to be able to give an answer for our faith to anyone who asks us about our faith. But we are to do it with gentleness and reverence. 1 Peter 3.15 says that. So are we ready? You know, if someone were to interview you and ask you about your faith, how would you answer those questions when put in the spotlight? And what would you say? It to those. Now, I have a little interview that was done with someone who is quite famous in this world, who has done a lot of good. I don't know about his personal lifestyle, but I understand where his faith is at by what we see here. And uh, this man's name is known as Bono. I look to the scriptures for poetic truth. Um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm in, interested in. And of course, there was a hist historical Jesus. No, I'm talking about God. 
Oh, right. And, and do well, you I see I'm, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming through. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just, we, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet. And we'll pray, usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, or so whatever. So then, what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, I've no problem with miracles. I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. There's no question where this man stands in regard to Christ. There's no wavering, there's no quibbling. It's very direct, very, very certain about what he believes. He's not apologetic about it. He's just very matter-of-fact about it. And I think sometimes we sort of think about our questioner or the person who's looking to understand, and we sort of fit ourselves to them, but there's no need for us to be anything but direct, and sure and very positive about our faith and who Jesus is. No, no doubts, no questions. That's who he is. And therefore it follows that we have that relationship with him and it's a very strong one. Let's go to another scripture passage. Let's go to a passage in Mark chapter 8. Jesus is with his disciples. They're in an area called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is in the very northern portion of Galilee. And it's kind of, you know, 
geographically where there's a blending coming down of the Greeks and the Romans in terms of their faith. And so this area particularly has a lot of different religions that are practiced and followed by people in this region. I thought of it as, you know, when you go, when you go, anybody ever been to Crestone lately? You go to Crestone, you see all these different types of religions represented, or Sedona is known as one of those places where all types of people from all these other religions gather. So this is where he is with his disciples in the midst of this area where Philippi actually comes from the idea of Pan, which was a a pantheism uh, religion. And so here he's asking this question of his disciples in this setting, which is very important. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus turned and looked at his disciples and he rebuked Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him all along with his disciples and he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? It's not enough for us to just come part way to Jesus. Some people just come to him intellectually with their minds. And you accept it in your intellect. But that's not conversion. You need to come to him with a full and complete surrender of beliefs. Your mind, your emotions, your will, every part of your being that gives surrender to Jesus Christ to follow him. Taking up your cross daily to follow him means that you surrender to yourself. You die to who you are and you live for who he is. It's not about just being a good person. It's about being completely sold out to Jesus. What he said, who he is, where he asks you to go, what he wants you to do. It is a complete surrendering of every part of your being. That's what that means, and that's hard. Because, you know, he said we're to be living sacrifices, and they said the only problem with a living sacrifice is that it gets up off the altar and crawls off. We, we, we have this willfulness and this personal element in us that continues to get twisted and off track. And it's the simplest of all things. Is it not just simply to say, know Jesus, follow Jesus? Because with that follows everything else. Everything else comes. Your love for others, the way you forgive others, the way you act, the way you comfort, the way you are, the way you speak, the person that you are, the identity that you have, it's no longer you, but it's Christ who lives in you. 
That's all about the Son of Man. That's all about Jesus. And if you have needs, questions, wants, whatever those are, there's a book called How to Give Away Your Faith. And of course, we don't deny the fact that there are some troubling questions that they address in this book. Why did the innocent suffer? How can miracles be possible? Isn't the Bible full of errors? Isn't the Christian experience only psychological? Won't a good moral life get me to heaven? Those are some of the basic questions that people ask and live by and follow with their lives asking those questions. And yet, do you know the answers? If someone did ask you or make those statements to you, do you know what to say? Do you know how to reply? What would you do? Are you equipped to give an answer when that time comes with gentleness and reverence? So we are responsible for being equipped and prepared to give an answer for the faith that is within us and proclaim without reservation, without quibble, without question, without doubt, directly, confidently, who Jesus is to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, so that we can know who you are and how much you love us. We thank you for the words that he shared with us, for the miracles that he performed, for the fact that we too sit here today as miracles, and that you've given us a born-again life and the promise of eternity, but not just for the sweet by and by, but for the here and now, for whatever we need at this time, that you hold the answers. You are the key. You are the comforter. You are the one. We won't know everything there is to know, and there are a lot of mysteries tied up in what you do, but by faith we walk and believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Let's stand and sing um, this hymn. We haven't sung this in a very, very long time here. I need thee every hour.
to uh, have prayer here at the front for anyone who would like prayer before you go today. Uh, remember the sign-up sheets and the, the youth workers that are out there that are ready to work for you. Um, but we'd love to, to minister to you before you go if you've got a burden on your heart of any particular kind or have a need or a loved one who might be struggling. So uh, you can come personally here to the altar when we close the service, wrestle it out with God, or have someone stand with you and pray with you if that's the case. That's why we're here together. But we hope that you would leave uplifted, encouraged, enriched, and um, blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace today and forever. Thank you for being here. God bless you.